The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey there, basketball fans and betting enthusiasts. I'm Coach Young, and welcome to the Betting Above the Rim podcast. This is the show where I give you my unfiltered take on all things basketball, from the latest hoops action to in-depth analysis. But we're not stopping there. I'm also dishing out winning betting strategies. I'll put a little extra cash in your pocket. You see, I bring a personality, the flair, and a passion that only a coach like myself can deliver. Before we begin this podcast, I just want to once again shout out John Fanta, who came on the podcast last Thursday, the 16th. If you did not get a chance to listen to that podcast, it was outstanding, and John will be on in the future. As we get into Thanksgiving week, we're at that point, folks, where all the teams in the NBA have played 10 or so games. So we're get, we're getting closer you know, we're about that 15% mark of the season. We have the in-season tournament going on. So there's a couple of things I want to get into with the NBA before we end one thing with men's college basketball and one thing with the women. But let's start off in the NBA with this. Do you know who's in seventh place in the Western Conference with a record of 6-5? and five? Yeah, folks, it's the Houston Rockets. I said it right. The Houston Rockets are 6-5 and right now. And if you think about this, folks, the Houston Rockets lost two games over the weekend. They could be 6-3 and right now, Houston. And it's amazing for a team that started, I do believe, 6-16 and last year. So they have done a great job. And really changing the culture by having the core players that they've had and bringing in a new coach and a new system. But let's start with the key additions here because this is why, partially why, the Rockets are playing really well. And it starts with Ime Adoka. Ime Adoka did a great job with Boston his one year. Obviously, we don't want to get into the transgressions that took place uh, in his personal life. But obviously, he got removed as head coach of the Celtics. And he has stepped into a Houston team and has got them playing really, really great basketball. And the key thing with Houston, folks, is it's the defensive end of the floor where Houston is making their mark. Last year, Houston gave up 118.6 points per game. 28th. This year, 105.8 second best in points per game allowed behind the New York Knicks. Another defensive stat, something I look at a lot with betting, defensive rating, 118.6 last year, 29th, 107.8 this year, fourth. 
No team has jumped up that high and flipped the script defensively. And that has to do a lot with Ime Adoka and the job that he's done with the culture and the belief and what is going on there. Because when you have young teams, folks, they could score. We've seen the Rockets play in the past under Silas. Their problem has been they don't stop anybody. And having an adult in the room, a guy that was almost, I would call him the defensive coordinator for the Brooklyn Nets, and then had the Boston team being one of the best defensive teams his one year as head coach, I'm not shocked that their defense has been better. I'm shocked it's been this good, and I'm shocked that their record. I thought they were going to be better, but 6-5, six 6-3 and five, six and three start is still amazing. A couple other newcomers to the roster. One right there, Dylan Brooks. I know, I trash, boy. Oh, I trash this boy. But 12.7 points per game, 4.9 rebounds per game, and kind of that grit and that glue, that defensive presence that they need to go guard a, a primary a wing scorer is something that Dylan Brooks, through all the bravado, all the trash talk, he's a damn good defender. So for him, he has been a big part. The other free agent signing, one of the others, has been Fred VanVleet leaving Toronto and coming over and playing with the Houston Rockets, giving you 17.48.1 assists per game. Freddie is someone that I thought when he got his deal, I was like, oh, that's a, that's a lot of money for a guy that is an undersized point guard that can shoot the ball pretty well. But it's obvious that he is the floor general of that team. And he has done a great job of not just scoring, but getting guys shots. And I think that's the thing that I like about this Houston team is more unselfishness, uh, more maturity. And that leads me to the third guy that they brought in, and that's Jeff Green. Listen, 6.5 points, 3.1 rebounds per game, not going to blow your, your stat line away. But his toughness, his defense off the bench, and most importantly, his leadership was something that was lacking in Houston. So when you're able to get a head coach at Ime Adoka, who's one of the best defensive coaches in the NBA, you go get a, a junkyard dog in Dylan Brooks. You go get a floor general and Fred Van Bleet. And you bring in a Jeff Green as a role model, mentor, guy off the bench. You have improve your team exponentially. But it's also the development of some of the core guys that have returned. Tari Easton, although he's missed six games, he's going to be a big part of the, obviously, the rotation. You know, you can talk about Amen Thompson, uh, you know, once he gets going. But three guys, three returners that have really been good for them. Number one, Jalen Green. I know the points are down, but at 19.1 points per game, 4.6 rebounds per game, 2.9 assists, the big thing for me is he's shooting a three at a 37.3% clip, which is the highest of his career. And now he doesn't have to carry the load offensively and be a 22-point-a-game scorer when he's got Van Vliet, he's got Dylan Brooks, so on and so forth. Second, Jabari Smith, the second-year guy out of Auburn. Still at only 12 points a game, seven rebounds a game, 
but its field goal shooting percentage is up from from 41% last year to 46%, and his three-point shooting percentage is up by 5%. So he's making more shots. And you could see this coming with Jabari when he was absolutely fantastic and was the best player in the Las Vegas NBA 2K24 Summer League. It wasn't even close how great Jabari Smith was in the limited action that he faced. But if I'm going to talk about a guy that out of all the returners, or even the rookie Thompson, that I've been so impressed with, it's been the Turkish treat, Alferin Shungun. I was a big fan of Alferin when he came out of the draft. I thought that he was an exceptional talent. I'm going to say something, folks. I'm going to call him Baby Joker. Now, I am not saying that he is going to be as good as Nikola Jokic, but his game is very similar. Folks, he's up to 19.8 points per game. He's a leading scorer right now for the Rockets, up by five points a game. He gets 8.2 rebounds, right about where he was last year. And his assist per game is at 5.7, up by nearly two. Sorry, he's getting 20.1 points per game out there. So, Shagun is this guy that I'm going to say this, is the best basketball player in the NBA that you don't know about. And it's time that you start to understand the greatness of an Alferen Shungun and a young Rockets team that, to me, seems to be on a come up. I would dare say a year or two ahead of schedule. Now, are they going to hold on to this seventh spot? I don't know. Maybe not. But if this team could sneak into the playing tournament with the very low expectations, and if they could find their way to be in the top six, you better put that Coach of the Year trophy and give it right to Ime Odoka because that's going to be two places in two years that he turned around quickly. And you got to, like I said, talk about him, Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks, Jeff Green, and all the returning guys. They've done a marvelous job down in Houston. But now let's talk about somewhere that isn't going so well, and that's Washington. Washington, in this this trade, brought in Jordan Poole because they thought that Jordan Poole was a cornerstone player. I am here to tell you, this early in the season, the experiment with him and Kuzma, it does not work. And Jordan Poole is not a cornerstone player. Think about this, folks. He was off, off the bench piece for Golden State. Starting now, do you know first off that he gets less minutes a game now than he did when Golden State? That shows you how poor he's been playing. How about going to his stats, folks? 20.4 points per game last year. 15.5 this year. Rebounds down 2.7 to 2.5. Assists per game down by 4.5 to 3.7. Shooting percentage down 4 percentage points, down to 39.2. And his three-point shooting percentage down by six percentage points. And a guy that has really looked passive, a guy that looks confused, and a guy that does not look like a cornerstone piece. So what do you do if you're Washington? You punt. And you punt quickly. Because I do think Jordan Poole holds value to contending teams as a guy that can come off the bench and score. 
He can't be the main guy, but he can be a piece. So think about this. How about a Jordan Poole as a backup in a place like New York that could use some scoring, put him in quickly in the backcourt? How about Jordan Poole in a place like Milwaukee, which can use some punch off the bench, the Milwaukee Bucks? How about a team that missed out on Damian Lillard and other trade assets at the time? How about a team like Miami? I mean, he's an upgrade over Duncan Robinson, shot creator. I think that would be an upgrade for a team like Miami. How about a team, ready, because everybody's supposed to go to them. How about the Lakers? Just another piece to lengthen that team. And you know he would love to go to a place like the L.A. Lakers, knowing that he's in the same division as his good friend, Draymond Green. So those are places. I'll give you another place. How about Dallas? Think about the Dallas Mavericks. I know they have Kyrie and Luka, but they're so dependent on them. A guy like Jordan Poole coming off the bench. Remember, folks, in the last couple of years, they've lost two really big bench pieces at the guard spot and Brunson and Dimwitty. I think that would be a sneaky good thing if a team like Dallas were to pick up Jordan Poole. But I'm going to tell you this. Jordan Poole is not a cornerstone player. And if you're the Washington Wizards, you have to find a way to get out of that deal. You can't have your highest paid player giving you 15.5 points per game and shooting metrics are terrible. They have to do better and him and Kuzma don't fit. Get out of it now while people can still look at what he did in Golden State I think that's the Jordan Poole and not the Jordan Poole. We've got the first 12 or so games with the Washington Wizards. Now, I've talked about something I've loved in the Houston Rockets. Something I don't like, which is Jordan Poole being a cornerstone player. But you know what Coach Young is a fan of? Huh. I am all in on this in-season tournament. I know, I know, I know. You start watching the court and it, it looks so weird and you see like how like the you see the design and the logos there and you talked about Jalen Brown talking about the courts are slippery but I'll tell you right now folks when I turn on an NBA game I don't even have to know what day of the week it is if those courts are in those colors I know it's in season tournament so I thought that's a smart thing to kind of distinguish it from the regular season, even though the games are going to count. Another thing that I think is really great and fascinating, folks, about this in-season tournament is it allows young teams a chance to be in a competitive environment that's not the playoffs to measure growth. And what are we? How do we look? How do we look against teams that are in our group that are supposedly better than us? Let's talk about three teams real quickly. Two in the East, one in the West. How about the Indiana Pacers at 2-0 and in East Group A? Yeah, the Indiana Pacers that went to Philadelphia and beat the 76ers. The team that's got a great guard in Halliburton and all that supporting cast with Matherin and Miles Turner and Buddy Heald and Obi Toppin and 
I can go on and on and on. Rick Carlisle's done a great job with this team. I know they stumbled a little bit as of late, but 2-0 gives a team that has not tasted playoffs and is young a chance that if they can get out of the group stage, could be something that's beneficial. Another group team to watch in the East are the Nets. Now, they said it 2-1 and one in East Group C. Boston's probably going to run away with it. But the Nets, at 2-1, and one, if they can win out, can put themselves in a position to get one, the one wild card from the East. Remember, folks, it goes by the winner of each group and then one wild card from each conference, which then leads to, obviously, points per uh, differential and stuff like that. We'll get to that in a second. But the Nets are as young and exciting team as there is in the league, folks. I mean, and they haven't been healthy yet all season. Cam Thomas and, and Ben Simmons were fantastic early on. You had no Cam Johnson and Nick Claxton. Now Cam gets, I mean, now uh, obviously Cam Thomas gets hurt. And then obviously we know Ben Simmons is hurt. And here comes Claxton and Johnson back. I'm going to tell you this, folks. I was wrong about Brooklyn. They are young. They're exciting. They're all in that six five to six eight range. So the switchability defensively is outstanding. The way they can get up the court, you add some role guys and, and, and veteran guys like Alani Walker to fourth or Royce O'Neal or Dorian Finney-Smith. This net team by Jock Vaughn has been playing really, really good basketball. And at 2-1 in the East Group C behind the Celtics, they could look at themselves at 4-1 as a possibility as the wild card spot in the East. Now to go out West, how about the Kings in Group C? 2-0. Group is very, very well stacked. And I think what you have here is, is you have a team that what Coach Mike Brown is taking this very seriously, as I think most teams are. You have a team that last year did really well. People thought they were a fluke. They lost game seven on their home floor. But this is a great opportunity to put these this team right back in the fire. And they're playing really, really well in Group C of the Western Conference. But there's a couple other things that you have to think about as you go down the stretch of this in-season tournament group play. Number one, how do teams figure out how do you handle blowouts? Particularly if you're a team that is looking to get the wild card spot. You saw Demonis Sabonis, I do believe, last week upset that someone did not take a shot when the game was decided. Sabonis is a European. European soccer uses this a lot. So he understands the point of the point differential. So I wonder how you'll see teams coming down the stretch that are trying to get the wild card spot. Do they play their starters more? Do they push push the pace? What do they do to put themselves in a position to get that one wild card spot? And you may want to consider that when you place your bets if you're betting on games in the in-season tournament. The point differential, especially for those teams trying to make that wild card, is going to be a sneaky thing that you're going to have to watch. The last thing is this. Having the semifinals and finals in Las Vegas, 
is a such a shrewd and smart move because it sets the NBA up for expansion. They want to see how they handle it. And now, obviously, with the Vegas Golden Knights there in the NHL, the Las Vegas Raiders there, and now the announcement last week that the uh, owners of Major League Baseball have approved the Oakland A's to move to Las Vegas, that leaves the NBA as the only four of the major sports that are not in Las Vegas. And I I dare to say with the stadium, I think not being ready until 2028 for the A's, I wouldn't be surprised if this season tournament is really well received in Vegas. If Vegas beats out, you know, in regards to the NBA getting there first before the A's get there in 2028. Let's go to the college game. And I'm going to come out and tell you, folks, the University of Miami is now a basketball school. You heard it. The U is a basketball school. And you know why? His name is Jim Laranega, one of the best coaches of this generation that nobody talks about. Do you remember when he made that run with George Mason to the Final Four and all the teams he beat? Look what he has done at the University of Miami. Think about this, folks. In his first seven years, he had six 21 seasons and four NCAA tournament appearances. Then the lean years, three years, in which they went under 500 each year, and there was talks of, is Jim Laranega done? But think about this, folks, last couple of years. They're 60 and 19. They have uh, an elite eight and a final four appearance. Folks, this is the University of Miami, and it's because of him. It's because of Jim Laranega and the job he's done with this roster. And with them making two deep uh, runs in the NCAA tournament, they are so prime, so prime to make a third. When you look at this roster and you look at the transfer that came over a year ago, uh, Nigel Pack, and what he is able to do and score. And then you look at, you bring him by Norchette or Mir, undersized 6'8", kind of reminds me of a Dennis Rodman, a rebounding machine who does an absolute great job. But, folks, when I, I told you, Wuga Poplar is their leading scorer, who is playing extremely well, Wuga is, and scoring at, I do believe, about 19 points a game at a crazy high clip. And then you could talk about the transfer of Matt Cleveland, who transferred in state. Imagine, could you imagine Florida State to Miami happening in football? Well, it's, it's happening in basketball. Matt Cleveland has done a great job. So when you look at Miami, they are top of happy folks. All five starters are in double figures and points per game. And all five are shooting 46% from the floor or higher. I am such a huge believer in Jim Laranega and what he has done. That I will say this. Not only is Miami a basketball school, you could argue, you could argue, along with Duke, that they may be the best team in the ACC. And I'll go one step further from this team that's not a blue blood. I think they can go to the NCAA tournament and get to the Final Four again because they have 
guard play. They have a rugged rebounder. They can defend. They can beat you all in different ways. And they got, in Jim Laranega, who I think is one of the five best college basketball coaches. But you never hear people talk about Jimmy because he's at DQ. I will put respect on his name. Speaking of putting respect on names, let's end this with a little women's college basketball. And as you guys know, that is where my background is as a former associate head women's basketball coach at Monmouth University. And I just thought that this was going to be such an exciting year in women's college basketball. On the heels of a great NCAA tournament last year, on the heels of the two top WNBA teams making it to the WNBA finals. This year in women's college basketball, it is as exciting as it's been any year. But it's been because of the superstar players. When you think of a Caitlin Clark from Iowa, when you think of an Angel Reese, I know she's gotten herself into a little bit of hot water at LSU, but Angel Reese is still an outstanding player. Or this player right here, Cameron Brink, star center from Stanford. Or a player like Elizabeth Kitley, the starting center, 6'5 center, for my buddy Kenny Brooks and Virginia Tech. But when you talk about the best player in college basketball, put that face back up. I'm going to say it. Paige Beckers is the best women's college basketball player right now and will lead UConn to a national championship if she stays healthy. Think about this, folks, if you, if you look at her stats. In 2021, fully healthy, 20 points per game, 4.9, 5.7 on 52.4% field goal shooting percentage. Folks, she's a point guard. And she was the best player on a UConn team that went to the national championship game and lost. She was the best player as a freshman. And then the injury started to come into play. Missed part of 21-22. She missed all of 2023 with the ACL tear, and she's back. And it was funny, I was, I was talking to John Fanta earlier today, and I, and I gave my, my opinion to him to see what he thought, because I respect John as much as anybody in, in college basketball. I always disagreed. He went with Caitlin Clark, which I don't think is a bad you know, choice, but then he said, if, if, if Paige Beckers can be the Paige Beckers that he saw against South Carolina when she dropped 27, all bets are off. And I'm going to say this. That is the Paige Beckers that I think you're going to get out of UConn. Listen, they have other players on that team. We know it. They're absolutely loaded. And Gino has done this for a long time. And you don't get, listen, you can go through on and on and on and on and on and on and on the star players that have come through and play for Junior Oriema. But, you know, when you have a, a, a center like a like an Aaliyah Edwards um, or a Nika Mule, you know, you have other pieces on that team along with, with AZ, AZ Fudd, who is 
been out for uh, a couple of games. We'll, we'll see what happens. There are things I'm hearing, but I'm not going to get into detail because that's not my job to speculate. I'll wait and see, and hopefully everything goes good, crazy. But Paige is the one that drives that bus. And if she could be the Paige Beckers that I have seen on the AAU circuit, the Paige Beckers that I saw uh, beginning of her freshman year, the Paige Beckers that dropped 27 points. I'm not going to go into detail and look at, oh, well, she, was, she wasn't good when she played Minnesota uh, on Sunday. She only shot four for 12. Do you know she's from Minnesota? That's her home game. And every team tries to play a home game. That is really hard to do. But that performance, that 27-point performance followed by 24 against Maryland when she shot a combined 29 for 43 from the floor and four for six from three. If that's the Paige Beckers that you're going to get for the entire year, she's the best college basketball player, and she will help Gino Oriyama win the national championship. This has been your Betting Above the Rim podcast uh, for November 21st. It's when it will be released. Our next podcast will take place. Uh, we'll see. We'll do another one this week, Thanksgiving week. Make sure you uh, you and your family have a nice Thanksgiving. But you know what's a free gift you can get? How about the Sports Grid app? We I've talked about this. This is the best app you need as a basketball enthusiast or any kind of sports enthusiast or a better. Why? We help you out. We give you picks. We give you trends. We give you stuff pregame, endgame, and all of the content that you could see on the network from guys like Kevin Walsh and Scott Farrell and Gabe Morenci and Kevin Walsh and Joe Lisi and Donnie Wrightside and James Young. And I can go on and on and on and on, but I can't because I got to go. Just go get that app and download it today or wherever you would download, whether it's Google or Apple. This has been your Betting Above the Rim podcast. Like I said, next podcast will be coming up soon. And make sure you download the app. And remember, <laughs> always sports great. It's the way to go. See you next time. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 